0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Optional Opinion. Optional Opinion. <laughs> I am your host, ADV. Thank you guys for joining me. Hope everyone had a great week, had a great weekend. It's kind of been a little bit crazy, if you know what I mean. Uh, but when you're hearing this episode, uh, there's a lot of news that, that happened. And those who know me on World 1-1 One One Podcast, uh, me and Larry Giver, we will be touching on it uh, coming soon. So just, we have thoughts. And we're going to have a great discussion when we have it. But here on today's episode... It's going to be another kind of somewhat historic, but actually a very opinionated um, topic. Did the Sega Genesis change the 16-bit era? Yes. I always wonder because definitely, you know, we always had the console war with Nintendo versus Sega. But I always wondered, you know, when it comes to the 16-bit era, we give a lot of praise to the super nintendo and not so much the Sega genesis but there's a lot of things that happened throughout the year more on sega side than nintendo side so i kind of wondered if did they change and evolve the industry in a good way in a bad way you know how did they help change the 16-bit era and pretty much how did they also lead into what we have now in the video game industry? So, we're gonna just uh talk about it, you know, dive in a little bit. Now, I, I really want to start a little bit about reading about the Sega Genesis. Um, the Sega Genesis, known as the Mega Drive, like uh outside of N- North America, is a 16 bit home co- video game console developed and sold by Sega. The Genesis was Sega's third console and its successor to the Master System. Sega released the console. As the Mega Drive in Japan in 1988, followed by North America as the Genesis in 1989. In 1990, the console was distributed as the Mega Drive by Virgin Mastertronic in Europe, Aussie in Australia, uh, Australasia, the Tech and Tech Toy in Brazil. In South Korea, the systems were distributed by Samsung as the Super Game, it then has the Star Boy, and later the Super Aladdin Boy. Designed by an R&D team supervised by Hideki Sato and Masami Ishikawa, the hardware was adapted from Sega's uh, Sega System 16 arcade board, centered on a Motorola 68000 processor as the CPU, a Zilog 7, uh, Z80 as a sound controller, and a video system supporting hardware sprites, tiles, and scrolling. The system plays a library of more than 900 games created by Sega and a Riot ride- of third party publishers and deliver on ROM based cartridges. The Genesis was benefited from several add ons, including a power based converter to play Master System games, as well as multiple first and third party licensed variations of the console. Sega created two network services to support the Genesis Sega MegaNet and Sega Channel. In Japan, the Mega Drive did not fare well against its two main competitors, Nintendo's Super Famicom and NEC's PC Engine, which here in America is the TurboGrafx 16. But it achieved considerable success in North America, Brazil, and Europe, contributing to its success where its library of arcade game ports, the popularity of, of Sega's Sonic the Hedgehog series, several popular sports franchises, and an aggressive youth marketing that positioned the system as the cool console for adolescents. The release of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System two years after the Sega Genesis resulted in a fierce battle for market share in the United States and Europe that has been often turned as a console war by journalists and historians. As this contest drew increasing attention to the video game industry, a among the general public, the Genesis and several of its highest profile games attracted significant legal scrutiny on matters involving reverse engineering and video game violence controversy surrounding violent games such as Night Trap and Mortal Kombat led Sega to create the video game rating console a predecessor to the entertainment software rating sport. We're going to get into that a little little bit later on. Uh, 30.75 million first party Genesis units were sold worldwide. In addition, Tech Toys sold an estimated 3 million licensed variants in Brazil. Majesco projected it would sell 1.5 million licensed variants of the system in the United States. and much smaller numbers were sold by simpson south korea by mid 2010s licensed third-party genesis re-releases were still being sold by at games in north america and europe many games have been re releasing compilations for newer consoles and offer on various downloads for online services the genesis was seeded in 1994 by the sega saturn so um in japan october twenty ninth nineteen eighty eight north america august fourteenth nineteen ninety nineteen eighty nine korea august nineteen ninety uh europe september nineteen ninety and brazil september first nineteen ninety um, it was available for retail from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety seven, um, and it is kind of still going at for ad games. But the original hardware was nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety seven, so it spent nine years on the shelf. Um, it was discontinued in nineteen ninety seven uh, and in nineteen ninety nine in North America by Majesco's Entertainment. So. And we're going to get into some of this, uh Sega Channel and uh, the System Race Boards because they really did uh, kind of do something for online gaming and for uh, the ESRB. Uh, but also along with it, they had the Sega CD, where you could attach it. Because uh, my brother had the original Sega Genesis, they had did a Sega Genesis Two, like they kind of remodeled it. Um, and uh, the Sega Genesis, uh, the original one, it you know it was kind of black. It had a volume system because it had a headphone jack in it. Uh, it had two control ports and the. When the Genesis first came out, it had three buttons: A, B, C. Um, uh, then later on, when Capcom came to, and brought their games to the system, uh, they offered a uh, six-button controllers: A, B, C, um, uh, and then they had like a X and Y, and then uh, some other buttons along with that. Um, and uh, later on, uh, I think it's X, Y, Z. I think that was the buttons that they had on. Uh, later on you will see different kind of controllers and uh, additions to it um, they have one of them that's like an octagon uh, where you were able to do like motion control like body movements for street fighter and stuff like kick and everything it didn't work well but uh, during the 16 bit uh, accessories were a lot uh, of course there was the uh, game genie that came to the super nintendo and i Sega Genesis also got the game genie for it. But uh if you own a Sega Master system because it, it used the same ports like that, you were able to use some of the controllers from the Sega Master System onto your Sega Genesis. It didn't do everything but it was cool that you could find out that it was a- being able to be used. Um, now the second CD, uh, when you attach it to the regular Genesis, uh, you could put it down on it, and uh, the CD player would be underneath, and the CD tray would pop out. You put the CD in and started uh, started it, start it up that way. Um, later on with the second Genesis, uh, with the second CD. Uh, they had it, had a combined into one where you had the Sega Genesis and then the Sega CD on the side. So it was kind of longer width wise. Um, it also added the 32X, which was a, a, adapter that you plug into the Sega Genesis and you could plug into the games. It was supposed to make your games look better and run faster, like give them a 32 bit kind of stance. Um, it didn't last too long for it, but, um, it, You know, it came out close to almost close to where the Sega Genesis was in in this life cycle. Now, when they did say that, you know, you would get the arcade experience, um, you you did get some little bit of arcade quality because of the 16 bit games, but not too much of the experience um definitely when you bought a second genesis ultra beast was a packet if you look at the arcade version of ultra beast and then you look at the second genesis version you definitely could see some difference um, um the sprites wasn't bigger um a lot of the uh, characters how they move weren't faster like it was in the arcade uh system uh, you can hear the sound quality in difference. Uh, for the Sega Genesis, it was a little bit muddy. Where uh, the arcade, it was a little bit crisp and clearer. Uh, definitely when you look at Golden Axe and games that way, um, you can you kind of see some of the difference so uh, uh even moonwalker is is separate so if you look at the arcade version of moonwalker it's a three-player uh on a dyad kind of game uh extra game but if you look at the Sega genesis version It's a whole completely different game. It's one player, uh, Michael Jackson, he kicks with sparkles coming out. Uh, You can hold the spin move to, uh, like, throw your hat and hit enemies or make all your enemies dance along with you, uh, and then they'll die. Uh, It does take off energy, but every time you still say to the girl, you're like, thank you, Michael, Uh, you kind of hear that uh, voice thing. Also, it had stages, um, like uh, stage one, stage two, stage three, and everything. Um, And, of course, uh, with Michael Jackson, uh, you was fighting zombies and dogs and gangsters and stuff. Uh, Things that weren't in the actual Moonwalker movie. Uh, they was taking stuff from different uh, uh different songs uh, that Michael Jackson had did and made levels surrounded around them. Um, there's even a level where Michael Jackson turns into a robot and you kind of fly around and shoot. Um, and you didn't really get that experience in the arcade. So the arcade experience. It's kinda of questionable if you look at look at it that way. Um, there were a lot of companies at that time that actually didn't jump on to later on. It's like some of the Capcom games uh Sega uh published and uh after Capcom licensed to them. So games like Forgotten World, uh, uh Super Ghouls and Ghosts, uh Strider I think was also sega genesis uh i mean it's well, it was for the genesis but it was the arcade version but sega had did the publishing for that um but capcom didn't get on board until they did uh, the street fighter series so they brought it over there um of course, there's some more to combat and that controversy, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show. But Konami also got into uh, play, making games for it. Neko got into uh, bringing games to the Sega Genesis uh, that didn't come to Nintendo uh, the and the Super Nintendo. So it, some of the games... Uh, that was on the second genesis was a literally exclusive to that system that never came out to super nintendo and some of them were arcade games that were in japan that didn't come to america or if they did come to america i definitely i didn't see them at my nearest Atlantis castle so uh that's just a little bit of the Sega Genesis, um, some of the accessories, some of the history that they brought. Um, they brought tons of great games, uh, got a phenomenal category of uh different genres and music and stuff, and the Sega C D at, at the time was doing something different that mostly would not see. Um Super Nintendo tried to do a CD, but everybody knows how that story goes. And, uh, the, uh, PlayStation that came out for there. Um, uh, the TurboGrafx did have the Graphics CD, um, as a, also as an add-on that came a little bit later and then they redid, uh, the system, um, for it. So, uh, but the Sega CD is kind of like well known for some of their games and everything. So, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, the war that has started, With the Sega CD. I mean, with the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. And will we be right? And we are back. Sorry about that, everybody, for uh, some of the audio issues of my equipment seems to be messing up. So I do apologize for that. Uh, So we're going to get into our next section, and we're going to actually talk about um, how this actually started. Uh, And the the transition from 8-bit to 16-bit, Sega was the first to jump into it. before uh, Nintendo did because the uh, NES was still popular and they were making a ton of games for it. So it was kind of interesting to see how uh, that transition works. So kind of when they first showed it they were showing what the Genesis could do well, like also bees and go to next to some of the arcade games or the second Genesis while Nintendo at that time was still working with the NES. So they was comparing how better their system was compared to last year. Um, and then the ads and the videos against Nintendo and some of them you have to see for yourself, uh, but one of the classic ones is Genesis does With the ten don't. Um, and later, when they got away from that one, they went to work on to the next level uh, to market more of the Sega CD. Um, when Super Nintendo actually came about, uh, Mortal Kombat was one of the biggest factors to separate. Uh, Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. Uh, because that um Sega implemented their own video game um uh rating system, they was able to get an MA thirteen for. Uh, Mortal Kombat, or I think it was M A Seventeen. Uh, now the Super Nintendo version had the sweat and blood. It it still had better quality in the sound, but people who wanted the arc, true arcade experience with the blood and the guts and everything, uh, they would pick up the Sega Genesis one, and that one sold more than the than the Nintendo one. Uh, after putting a code in, you will be able to. Play, uh, play that game the way that it was attended in its regular, uh, regular form. Now, it it was kind of weird because not much of Nintendo attacked Sega during that time, and Nintendo was actually when they got into the sixteen bit era. You know, they did Super Mario World. They did, uh, you know, the Play It Loud series. Um, Earthbound, I think, had like a meat packaging and and stuff. Like, Nintendo was doing different kind of ads to promote their games and being very creative at that time. Not so much uh, attacking Sega, um, but uh, later on, (laughs) they did have a discussion, Nintendo and Sega, and I will definitely am going to be playing those clips later on in the show. So, it, it, at, at first, it kind of worked. Um, definitely when I was a kid reading, uh, when I was reading uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly, I would see uh, all of these games on the Sega Genesis, and when they said Genesis does when the 10 don't, um, it was kind of showcasing that, you know, the Genesis games kind of seemed to be better than the Super Nintendo games. That was the, what they were trying to showcase. And when i looked at it i was just like well not really because there were still nintendo games that kids were buying and playing and with some of the sega genesis games like they the early ones they were they were good and they were fine and the system really didn't pick up it's almost to sonic the hedgehog and even nba live in madden um, they were fine, but they still they didn't, you know, really resonate with a lot of gamers. Uh, Joe Montana did good for the Sega Genesis because that was supposed to be Madden, and it played actually better than Joe Montana football. It was a little bit smoother and easier to go uh, and play those games. Uh, once the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis got onto a level of kind of being equals and In a sense, uh, the ads for the Sega Genesis kind of went away. Um, Even with them dropping prices and stuff, it it was kind of weird to see, uh, see these things kind of happen and stuff. And so those campaigns for the Sega Genesis really didn't last long. They worked for a little bit, but definitely with me having a brother, uh, who kind of was for the sports games and everything, he played a lot of Sega Genesis. And because I was a, a Nintendo fan and still am, I owned the Super Nintendo. And, you know, actually jumping outside of the Nintendo world, I had a turbo Graphics. So it was kind of good to see that I was able as a gamer to play everything what I would have for Super Nintendo would be different than what my brother had for the Sega Genesis. Now I will admit me and my brother sometimes put our money together to buy Sega Genesis games. We did do that. And my mom, she would give me my Super Nintendo games. Uh, Later on, when I got older and got some money, some of the Sega Genesis games was $20. So I would go and buy some of those that never came to the Super Nintendo. Like, You know, uh, Arrow Flash is a big major game that I brought um, with my birthday money. Because I was playing the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. And my brother kind of moved away from video games uh, for a bit. Like, he skipped the Saturn but got a Dreamcast. Uh, For me, since I had the best of both worlds... uh, You know, I would be able to buy games for the Sega Genesis, uh, whatever my brother asked, and that would be mostly sports. And sometimes I would rent Sega Genesis games for it. So, like Forgotten Worlds, I rent it. Super Ghouls and Ghosts, I rent it. Virtual, there's a car virtual game that uh, was in arcades. Um, but it also came to the Sega Genesis and it was a mess of a game. It didn't, it did not play well. Uh, but you know, I brought tournament fighters. Um, I had, uh, Hyperstone Heights. Um, and those games, those Konami games that came to the Sega Genesis and Sega CD, like Snatcher, uh... They were good on the Sega Genesis. None of those actually touched the Super Nintendo. Now, Super Nintendo did have its own version of Tournament Fighters. It was better than the Sega Genesis version. Uh, Turtles in Time, better than Hyperstone Heist, But the attention of playing them were kind of almost the same. They just were a little better on the Super Nintendo. Uh, also, Rocket Knight Adventures, which was another Konami game, came to uh, the Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo never got to it. Now, when Sparkster came out, uh, which is part two of Rocket Knight Adventures, that came out for both systems. And I remember playing Rocket Knight Adventures on that system. Uh, KB Toy Story was uh, kind of a lifesaver to me because they were getting rid of a lot of their games that weren't selling. So you could get some games for 10 to 20 bucks. And I would be, when I had money uh, that my dad would give me or birthday money, I would go to KB Toy Story and I would buy those games. Um, Now, when it came to Welcome to the Next Level, for the second CD, it was a black man talking to mostly these white boys, uh who kind of was like uh huh, duh, was acting kind of done and to, to showcase that you know to experience a game and stuff. This is gonna blow your mind, and definitely with a lot of video game ads, it was all done for boys and probably some adult men and stuff and teenagers, uh. There was never women in it, and that's even for the Super Nintendo. Like a lot of people who did these ads back in the nineties, were catered to, uh, were catered to boys. So when we see Mortal Kombat and stuff, you would see a lot of guys running, um, and a lot of teens and stuff running, uh, and and a lot of that didn't change. I think a little bit later on, until uh, games started catering to everybody. So, during the console wars with Sega, with uh, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, the ads were, you know, which fanboy will sh- will show their love to that system, and they would show ads showing that their system was better because they had better games, or the ads were were very creative and, uh, you know, just showing that. You know, Genesis couldn't do what Nintendo Nintendo did. And Nintendo couldn't do what the Sega Genesis did. Which, in reality the Super Nintendo was able to do more than the Sega Genesis definitely with the sound uh, definitely with the processing um, you know we got Star Fox we got Ducky Kong Country Killer Instinct uh, Mortal Kombat 2 um, after the ratings uh, ESRB came about and came together Mortal Kombat 2 sold better on Super Nintendo than the Sega Genesis uh, because the sound was crispier uh, it looked better and it was kind of like, you know, the Super Nintendo definitely with having Square Enix on the side or Square Soft at that time on the side and Enix over, over a second distance, not having a big major role playing, uh, company for them because like working I think working the designs didn't come to the Sega Saturn they might have I think they did Lunar on the Sega Genesis so working design might have been there but working design kind of didn't last long uh compared to what um, the Super Nintendo had with Squaresoft and uh, Enix at that time and definitely you had Earthbound uh versus like Phantasy Star and as as hard as it is to say as good as fantasy star 2 3 and 4 was final fantasy 3 uh uh, chrono trigger secret of mana uh the legend of zelda super nintendo had more to offer in the rpg uh, rpg realm and when you look at the acts and some of the commercials you definitely could see the difference between both of them. Now, I'm not including Game Gear in the, this discussion, because I kind of want to keep it 16-bit um, at at this. So, uh, the, the ads against Nintendo, they worked for a little bit, but not too much, not for not too long. Uh, Genesis does what Nintendo don't that worked, that was a catchphrase, it it worked for a little bit, but not too long, working to the next level was fine, but people really didn't support the Sega CD, because not, even though it was a great add-on for those, there wasn't a lot of great games for it, and though Mortal Kombat did sell well on the Sega Genesis, Mortal Kombat 2 sold even more uh, when it came to the Super Nintendo, because that one was very closer to uh, the arcade version. Now, with this section, I'm going to be playing some of the Sega Genesis commercials. And uh, if you guys want to check them out, you can check it out on YouTube. There, There's a compilation. But for this one, I am going to be playing some uh for you guys. And then we're going to get into the next section, which is a uh, mascot mayhem or a marvelous mishap when I come back.
1: 16-bit super nintendo super mario world wow oh, what's this one? Oh,
2: this is a sonic the hedgehog from sega genesis
1: <laughs> look at these radical colors huh wow sonic's fast too no
2: over here i like genesis
1: and it costs a lot less
2: we kid, a rat game i'll there. take sonic and genesis
1: <laughs> I knew that. sonic the hedgehog more action more speed what? sega genesis it's a whole lot more for less action. Give us Genesis, Genesis. New Streets of Rage. you Control 40. Incredible moves. Gotta get Genesis. Like nothing ever before. Genesis is so much more. Sega Genesis gives you more real villains, hot graphics, and killer two-player action. Genesis. It's a whole lot more. Genesis. Gotta get Genesis. Donita Stokes, president of HAG. It's bad enough that Sega Genesis has the most 16-bit games, but this new Sonic the Hedgehog, oh, he really does my doilies. They say he's incredibly fast. Well, what's the hurry, mister? Mm-hmm. And about his attitude. Smarty pants. Why can't it be more like that nice for Mario? What? Oh, <laughs> little brat. Sonic the Hedgehog, now included where you buy a Genesis system. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker video game, only on the Genesis system by Sega. <laughs> 첨단 16빛, 슈퍼겜보이 탄생! 개인의 세계가 달라졌다. 안다! 신나는 입체 환경, 생생한 입체 싸움. 슈퍼 싸움, 슈퍼겜보이! 슈퍼겜! 삼성 슈퍼겜보이! angles has a problem he needs to earn the respect of his peers so he gets the special Sega Genesis fighting system it comes with streets of rage too he saves forty dollars he gets more moves he gets more control now things are pretty much okay
3: I said chocolate chip Say it
1: say it it. an easier way to get color get a game gear the full color portable with over 150 games like the new echo mortal 2 and sonic triple trouble it swept the country like a plague thousands of helpless teenagers trapped in a dull drab world of colorless video games but there is hope color Introducing Game Gear from Sega. The full-color portable video game system that separates the men from the
3: boys.
2: Game Gear from Sega.
3: For those who purchased something other than a Sega Genesis...
0: Yeah, that's it.
3: Our sincere condolences... What a waste. When you start with a Genesis... You can always add a Sega
1: CD. And new Genesis 32X. Everything else is cold and stiff. Burial or cremation? Burn it. Welcome to the next level. Hey! You still don't have a Sega CD? What are you waiting for, Nintendo to make one? You have seen the games, right? Wrong answer, man. Show them! want to see more <laughs> CD CD メガ CD から C CD だ。メガ C Sonic the Hedgehog CD from Mega CD. Hey, do you really have to watch the rest of this stupid movie to see how it's going to end? Here. Take control. Those aliens are masters of disguise. you got the fire Use it! Not your typical video game, huh? You call that shooting? Better pay attention. Those aliens can look like anybody. Your brother, sister, anybody. Hungry? Ground Zero, Texas. Only on Sega C. Yo, listen up! Do you know what my friend here just called you? He called you a glass jawed bird neck no jabbing wimp. Oh. You gonna take that? Step into the ring. Not your typical video game, huh? Stick him, jack, move, come on Right. There you go. Left. Hit him with okay. prize five is only on Sega CD. Okay, he takes back the bird neck part. Sega!
0: So let's talk a little bit about Sonic the Hedgehog and why it was kind of Sega's uh one of his biggest uh sellers in um for the Sega Genesis. Definitely when you looked at the commercial uh and you seen the speed of Sonic, it kinda of won you over, basically. And you definitely a person seeing a character go that fast and go and do uh loops and everything you kind of be amazed like wow doesn't this game look amazing uh just seeing it fast and they definitely talked about blast processing uh during that time and then and, uh, while Sega was seeking a flagship series to compete with Nintendo's Mario series, along with the character to serve as a company mascot, several character designs were submitted as part of a company-wide contest, including an anime-inspired egg and a teal hedgehog with red shoes created by Naoto Oshima. That he called mr needle mouse this character won the contest and was renamed sonic the hedgehog spawning one of the best-selling video game franchises in history the gameplay of sonic the hedgehog originated with a tech demo created by yujinaka who had developed an algorithm that allowed the sprite to move smoothly in a circle by determining its position with a dot matrix Naka's original prototype was a platform game that involved a fast-moving character rolling in a ball through a long winding tube. And this concept was uh, subsequently fleshed out with Oshima's character design and levels conceived by designer Hirokazu Yasahara. Uh, Sonic's blue pigmentation was chosen to match Sega's cobalt blue logo, and his shoes were a concept evolved from design inspired by Michael Jackson's boots with the addition of the color red, which is inspired by both Santa Claus and the contrast of those colors on Jackson's 1987 album, Bad. His personality was based on Bill Clinton's can-do attitude. Although Cats and Sega of America's marketing experts disliked the idea of Sonic, contained that it w- would not catch on with most American kids, Kalinske's strategy to play Sonic the Hedgehog as the pack game game paid off. Featuring speedy gameplay, Sonic the Hedgehog greatly increased the popularity of the Sega Genesis in North America. Bundley Sonic the Hedgehog with the Sega Genesis is credited with helping Sega gain 65% of the market share against Nintendo. So, that's how big uh, Sonic the Hedgehog has been, and you kind of see throughout the games, some were good, some were bad. Uh, during the Sega Genesis uh, uh, run, Sonic 2, when that game came out, like kind of overshadowed what Sonic the Hedgehog uh. The first game was um because Sonic the Hedgehog was like eight levels with three worlds attached to each, and you had to get collect these gems and once you collected all eight gems you came to uh be supersonic and that would make them gold and kind of invincible and it would last long as long as you had coins so uh once you reach fifty coins in a stage um uh, when you got to a uh checkpoint uh stars would go out and you could go in and then it turned into kind of almost a pinball game where sonic would roll up in the ball and you kind of have to rotate the world using the buttons and um he would collect coins and bounce around and depending on if you were able to get that gem uh it would show that that gem was flashing and everything and there is another ending. So when you get all eight gems, uh, you will be uh, supersonic. And uh, it will show him kind of running running out of the, uh, the last battle and going on from there. Um, you could definitely, in this game, uh, kind of see how some of the levels played out. Because it was big and huge levels with roller coaster designs for like upside, uh, you know, You know, going upside down or going to twos and moving around. So when you got to the finish, you would take different paths. So um, it gave high replay value depending on how you wanted to see the whole level now when Sonic the Hedgehog 2 came out it added tails and it also added um corkscrews in the game so there were more challenges um uh, you know casino world and everything like that and they shortened it to two levels uh two stages per level so when you got to Green Hill Zone one uh it would be like a normal stage and when you got to the second one you would fight the boss so it kind of cut it down from 32 levels um well not thirty two levels uh twenty eight levels no twenty four levels I'm sorry everybody. It cut down twenty four levels to sixteen levels um it also added a two player mode split screen where one player will play Sonic at the top, the next player will control tails, and the tails was always with you when you played um the first. Uh, when you play the single player, or you could pop in the second controller and play that single player. One person plays as Sonic, one player plays as um as Tails. Sonic Three came out, and that kind of changed it, where they added Knuckles into the uh, series and everything. Um, later on with that they had sonic and knuckles and what you was able to do was you was able to attach sonic 1 or sonic 2 to the game uh on you know like connected on the cartridge and be able to play knuckles in sonic 1 or sonic 2 in that now that was kind of how the history and game sense was on the second genesis Compared to the Super Nintendo, they had Super Mario World, and this kind of showed off um, all these bright colors, colors. and uh, even though Mario didn't run fast as uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was, it didn't have the stop-and-go function that Sega and uh, Sonic um, made their game out to be because when you wanted to go fast you couldn't go fast about the whole level there would be things that would stop you and definitely when you went underwater um you were on a time limit so you had to get bubbles and if you didn't get nowhere where bubbles is where bubbles is at um you would have five seconds to hurry up to get to the top so you could get air and, stuff. and that for some people, that was kind of frustrating. Um, but with Super Mario World, you got invited to Yoshi. Um, you got uh, uh, you got to see all these different powers that Mario has. So not only did he just have the firepower and um, had the mushroom, he got the feather, which allowed Mario to run, jump in the air, and fly with his cape. Now, uh, compared to what Super Mario Brothers three was, where you got the Tunuki suit, you know, you could run and like jump in the air and fly a little bit, but you will always come down. With the cape, you were able to dip in and out and go up and down with the cape, or you could dive bomb with there. Um, they added secrets where you would be able to uh get different kind of blocks, and if you got the yellow block, it would give you um the mushroom if you got the grain block it would give you the feather the blue and pink blocks they didn't really do nothing so even if you try to hit them or anything they would give you nothing uh you had like ghost house and different ways to um different ways to beat that level you got rainbow row you got more enemies in that game uh so and then you would get like mid castles and then you would get the final castle so Super mario world kind of offered more into it now later on though uh when uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two came out, Super Mario World two also was uh, came out to the Super Nintendo, which was considered as to be Yoshi's Island, and it had a different art aesthetic than uh, Super Mario World that's never been done before. You had this crayon drawing of art, and although Sonic two looked better than Sonic one. It kind of used almost the same sprites as Sonic 1, but just tightened up and, uh, you know, looking better. Uh, you, you didn't really have, well, for some people, you were able to do a sound test in Sonic 2 to do a stage selection and skip most of the game. Um, you still had to collect, uh, 50 rings in Sonic 2 and this time for the bonus level you ran do automatic two. so you just pretty much had to move sonic left right or upside or uh or jump and stuff and you would collect all these rings now in order to get to the emerald you had to meet the requirements of the rings so when you when you met those requirements uh you go through uh three sections the beginning The second section and then the end section. And once you got that third section, if you met the rings and was able to get through without uh uh, hitting any spikes or any traps and stuff, um, you will get those uh, you would get the emerald. So it was kind of easier in this one than it was the Sonic one. With Super Mario World, um, Yoshi's Island, you had to kind of keep mark Baby Mario on you. If you got hit he would cry and you would lose stars so your best bet was just like protect them at all costs and you also had an egg attack where you could move the reticle around and hit enemies with this egg and one of the great things uh, between these two games is that love design was really important sega genesis has some great love design and sonic 2 proved that definitely with casino world um, Yoshi islands, uh, did that with it's creative art style and definitely with this bosses, um, in it. and so when you fought a lot of the bosses, um, and some of the level design in that game, it was kind of like, wow, this looks good. So, uh, that's why when I do reviews and everything, that's how I got Yoshi coins, definitely for Super Mario world. It's just like you get five Yoshi coins and you get one up. Um, and when you get, like, uh, 20 stars or you get, like, over the stars that you need to collect to save Mario uh, or to keep Mario. Because if you get hit, these the star countdown down goes down. Uh, you were able to get through the world a little bit easier um, in it. So, uh, when it came to, like, speed and stuff sonic 1 and sonic 2 even though they had that as the selling point you still didn't get enough speed in that game and so when you even hit one of the uh one of the springs and stuff it will make you run to a level and go through fast but then at times it would stop the momentum and everybody wanted speed in their game so even though sonic the end the of game went fast it didn't go um quicker uh like it should have and I I, I love Sonic 2, and I love uh Yoshi's Island. Um I feel like both games are equal in that sense. So uh as for a mascot uh Sonic is widely known for Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 And Sonic 2 party stands out Most of all of them Now there was a Sega, uh, Sonic CD That also came out to the Sega Genesis For the Sega CD And it had animations And it had a weird time mechanic to it And I did play it Like later on in life And I did not like that game I did not like the design Music is great Sounds cl- crisp and clearer And Sonic 2 is probably one of Sega's second best soundtracks for the Sega Genesis. Streets so of Two takes that top spot for me, uh. But I feel like Sonic the Hedgehog Two have more catchy tunes than uh the Sega CD and Sonic One. Then Sonic Three and uh Sonic and Knuckles was good, but I I kind of kind of you know lost interest after like the first world they, they tried to do something different and it didn't keep me hooked now it now it's kind of funny uh how years later sonic and mario would team up for the olympics also with sonic games appearing on the nintendo console and selling better than ever and continue to sell to the uh sonic crowd um with it but during the second during the 16-bit systems uh mario and sonic they had their own way of doing things and they were both great games um it just seems that mario still had more to do than sonic did and even though sonic had sonic uh 3d you know mario had mario kart uh Super mario rpg by squaresoft um Mario's Missing, um, like I said, uh, Yoshi's Island and Super Mario World, uh, they had those games on so the Super Nintendo, and, like, so much not, so much like Sega, they had Sonic Spinball, uh, they had this, like, uh, Sonic and Knuckles, um, they had, uh, Sonic 1, Sonic 2, uh, Sonic CD, uh, and most of the other Sonic games came out for Saturn and for Dreamcast later on. Same as the Mario series, uh, Super Mario World 64, or Super Mario 64, and then later on, uh, Super Mario Sunshine for GameCube, and everything about that. Uh, but it's kind of weird to see uh, how that marketing of speed for Sonic worked for Sega against the Super Nintendo. 65% of the market share went because of that game but nintendo was able to get that back and the mario franchise with super mario world yoshi's island mario kart uh even super mario rpg just kind of dominated and the sonic series kind of got forgotten a little bit those games as i said they are great but later on they just didn't hold up to what um the super mario games so uh it was kind of a win for sega with uh with uh with with sonic on the sega genesis but it didn't last long because there was other games on the super nintendo that came out that took that spot still to this very day sonic is sega's mascot so it it did work out for sega and mario is still the mascot for nintendo and they both now uh just coexists and they make some great games sonic has a, a more of a downhill than a uphill but people still buy his games and still love him as a character so when i come back we're going to uh, talk a little a little bit about sega's own writing board and how that kind of came all about So, the second Sega's own ratings. Right. So, uh, Sega uh, started producing their own rating system, definitely when Mortal Kombat came out. And uh, it was kind of interesting to see how that ink all came about. Um, they developed their own rating system uh, because games were getting a little bit more mature and having a little bit more violent content. Um it ended up having a video game rating console in Sega's own uh, company and they designed a GA for general audience MA thirteen that's kinda of for teens and MA seventeen. Um and once Night Trap came out for the Sega C D it kind of started a whole discussion about um video games um being uh different and marketed to the consumer um in 1993 the american media began to focus on the mature content of certain video games games such as night trap for the second cd and add uh, add-on receive unprecedented uh unprecedented scrutiny Issues about Night Trap were brought up in the United Kingdom with former Sega Europe Development Director Mike Brogan noting that Night Trap got Sega an awful lot of publicity. It was also cited in UK Parliament for being classified as 15 due to its use of real actors. This came at a time when Sega was capitalizing on this image as an edgy company with attitude and this only reinforced that image. By far the year's most controversial game was Midway's Mortal Kombat reported to the Genesis and S, uh, SNES by Acclaim. In response to public outcry over the game's graphics violence, Nintendo decided to replace the blood in the game with sweat and the arcade's gruesome fatalities with less violent finishing moves. Sega took a different approach, instituting America's first video game rating, ratings board, the Video Game Rating Board, VRC, for all of its current systems. Ratings range from the Family Friendly GA rating to the more mature rating of M.A. 13 and the only rating M.A. 17. With the rating system in place, Sega released its version of Mortal Kombat, appearing to have removed all the blood and sweat effects and toning down the finishing moves even more than in the SNES version. However, all the arcade's blood and unsensitive finishing moves could be enabled by entering a blood code. This, technically, uh, uh, this technicality allowed Sega to release the game with a relatively low MA 13 rating. Meanwhile, the Tamer SNES version shipped without a rating. The Genesis version of Mortal Kombat was well received by gaming press, as well as fans, all the SNES version 3 to 3 or 4 to 1. While Nintendo was criticized for censoring the SNES version of the game, Executive Vice President of Nintendo of America, Howard Lincoln, was quick to point out at the hearings that Night Trap had no such rating saying to Senator Joe Lieberman. Um, And I'm going to actually be playing that clip a little bit later. Um, In response, Sega of America Vice President Bill White showed a videotape of violent video games on the SNES and stressed the importance of rating video games. At the end of the hearing, Lieberman called for another hearing in February 1994 to check on progress toward a rating system for video game violence. As a result of the congressional hearings, Night Trap started to generate more sales and released ports to the PC, Sega 32X, and 3Duo. According to Digital Pictures founder Tom Zito, you know, I sold 50,000 units of Night Trap a week after those hearings. Although experiencing increased sales, Sega decided to recall Night Trap and re-release it with revisions in 1994 due to the congressional hearing. After the close of of these hearings, video game manufacturers came together to establish the rating system that Lieberman had called for. Initially, Sega proposed the universal adoption of its system, but after objections by Nintendo and others, Sega took a role in forming a new one. This became the Entertainment Software Rating Board, an independent organization that received praise from Lieberman. With this new rating system in place, Nintendo decided its censorship policies were no longer needed and the SNES port of Mortal Kombat 2 was released uncensored. So I'm going to play a little bit of um, two of these uh, clips and this was actually shown on C-SPAN during that time.
2: Expand your business and uh, move into the adult market and uh, create product for the adult market only and sell it in your stores, adults come to buy it. Do you have any way of guaranteeing the American people that their children aren't going to see it? No. Mr. White? No,
3: we don't, Senator. All we can do is work with the mechanisms that are uh, available to us, and that's what we want to do through this industry-wide coalition. And that's why we're so pleased to see the VSDA here. So that... So that- there's
2: no, there's no way in which we can feel comfortable that the kind of material that some of us might think doesn't belong on the market at all isn't, in fact, going to get on the market and then be viewed by... By children. Well, is, Senator Cole, it's, right? it's
3: similar to the motion
2: picture. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I, and, I, and understand, what I understand what you're saying. Yes. I just want to clarify so everybody understands where this all leads.
3: There's an interesting difference between Sega and Nintendo in this matter in that we have moved ahead with CD technology using a CD-ROM player as an interactive entertainment device. We have Sega CD on the market. We've had it in the market since November of 1992. Nintendo does not have a CD-ROM device. They continue to focus their marketing efforts against children. We have recognized that the interactive entertainment market is far larger than just a children's market. The demographics of our Sega CD player, which are 60% adults, suggests that that is the fact. And we would like to see a rating system that will allow us to develop games for that broad array of players but give the consumer the information necessary to make an appropriate decision for his or her family.
2: All right. Do you want to say something, Mr. Lincoln? Well, I I didn't realize that the hearing was uh, focused on market share. I thought we were talking about regulation of violence, but my uh, my colleague must think differently. Let me say this. the The biggest problem we have here is in, in a rating system, is try to figure out some way of enforcing it. And, and, and you, uh, Senator Cole, as a, a former retailer, uh, I think understand that as, as well as I do, being a businessman. If we simply put these ratings, this game is violent, on this packaging, however we do it, and we don't have the cooperation of retailers, if we don't have some enforcement mechanism... My own personal view is that that really may be a step backward and we may really only be encouraging people to make more violent games. Certainly the industry is moving into different uh, territory with new technology. Uh, Nintendo for example is going to be coming out with a 64-bit system in the future, but the the point of that is that graphics uh, are going to become uh, much better uh and my sense is that unless we can get everybody in this business, not just the video game companies, but the retailers and the government, involved in putting a stop to the kind of things that you're seeing in Night Trap, we're really deceiving ourselves that we're going to keep this, this kind of violence out of the hands of children. I... You know... The point that I'm making, Senator, is that the game ratings—it does, just doesn't go far enough. We have to get our hands on the game content, and we've been doing that. But like, like any other uh, system, it's not perfect. Let me make just a couple of other points. I can't sit here and allow you to be told that somehow the video game business has been transformed today from children to adults. It hasn't been, and Mr. White, who is a former Nintendo employee, knows the demographics as well as I do. Furthermore, I can't let you sit here and buy this nonsense that this Sega Night Trap game was somehow only meant for adults. The fact of the matter is, this is a copy of the packaging. There was no rating on this game at all when the game was introduced. Small children bought this at Toys R Us, and he knows that as well as I do. When they started getting heat about this game, then they adopted the rating system and put ratings on it. But today, just as I'm sitting here, you can go into a Toys R Us store or a Walmart or a Kmart, and you know as well as I do that you can buy this product, and no one, certainly no sales clerk at retail, is going to challenge you. So the point I'm getting at is putting these ratings on, if that's as far as we're going to go, isn't going to get us anywhere. We've got to get further into this.
0: A little bit of fancy star music. <laughs> uh. So yeah, that was Howard Lincoln. Uh, Howard Lincoln, uh, for um, Nintendo talking about uh. Uh, con, uh, video game content and uh, Bill White from Sega of America. He was vice president at that time, and they're kind of discussing uh their side of the of you know video game violence and ratings. Um, with it, uh, you could check the whole conquer uh the whole hearing on YouTube if you want to see more. And it's kind of funny, so that's why people who who wrote the story about Night Trap coming to Nintendo Switch? Was that Howard Lincoln said Night Trap would never come to a Nintendo system, and Limited Run Limited Run Games brought the game to uh, Nintendo Switch. You know they put it on uh, PS Four, and I believe Xbox One. I think it's just PS Four. Um, they brought it there, uh, but if you look at Night Trap. What parent would buy that game for their kid? Um, If you look at a lot of the games that was on the Sega CD, um, you could tell by box art. But even still to this day, parents sometimes don't pay attention and they just buy whatever for their kid, whatever they ask. Um, Some people value their kid in different ways than others do um, and that's not a diss or anything but uh, people don't care about their kid under 17 playing air ready games and stuff and uh, um, you know taking all that content in they, they sometimes don't care uh, they're so, they sometimes don't care that that material is going to have any effect on that kid's viewpoint about things because uh, different kids take stuff, uh, takes fant- fantasy in a different realm, in a different light. You know, some of them take it serious. Some, some of them take it, know that this is not real, um, that this is just for fun. Um, and there are some people who do value their kids' education and how they view the world. And so they will do some parenting and be like, you're not ready to experience this because we feel like mentally and physically you're not ready to handle this content. It's not saying that, you know, you shouldn't play at this time. They just probably think that there are things in, in this game that you won't understand um that you might have questions and stuff and sometimes you know parents might have to show kids about war about murder uh about you know mental health and things like that like i wouldn't be able to have a 7 year old play um hell not hell divers but hellblade and stuff and kind of understand the the game the stuff that's in that game you know, I kind of would probably protect my kid and be like, hey, this is why Mario is important because of platform and how, how jumpy in games kind of is important to the industry and to video games in general and stuff like that. So when I come back, I'm going to touch a little bit about Sega's online uh, system and kind of to see how uh, that Kind of led to the future of online gaming in a sense. And with that, everybody, I will be right back. And of course, some Fantasy Star 2 music. <laughs> online uh system um for america it was called the sega channel and uh this one i had just learned some new things and couldn't believe uh it was developed by sega um and this one was uh provided by tci and time warner cable through uh cable television service by the way uh Coxable Cables. It was a uh, pay-to-play service. Um, it launched in uh, December of 1994. Um, it lasted until July 31st, 1998. Uh, Sega Channel operated three years after the release of Sega's next-generation console, the Sega Saturn. Though criticized for its porty time launch and high subscription fee, Sega Channel has been praised for its innovation and downloadable content and impact online cyber services for like it's games and stuff and for that i can't I, I really can't agree um uh to that now i've never had the sega channel uh but i kind of was just like uh oh, what is this and i read about it in uh in egm um during that time, there was also like X-Men that also came to the Sega Genesis. And I was just like, oh, you have to plug a modem, uh, internet cord into, uh, the, uh, into the cartridge and everything. And it was just a whole bunch of mess. Uh, it, uh, it had a fifteen dollar a month fee with a twenty five dollar twenty five dollar top twenty five dollar activation fee. So the activation fee was actually more than a service fee. Uh so you were spending forty dollars a month for this. Uh, one of the game steps exclusive to it was Mega Man the Wheelie Wars. Um it was a remake of Mega Man one to three for the Super Nintendo not for the Super Nintendo for the Nintendo. Um and you was only able to play that for on the second channel. Now you were able to download these games to the system, and then once you cut it off, uh, the download would erase for it. Uh, kind of looking, kind of looking back on this. Uh, the second channel had over two hundred fifty thousand subscribers, but by nineteen ninety seven, the number of subscribers had dropped to two hundred thirty thousand. Two years after Nakayama made the decision to shift focus from the Genesis to the Saturn. Sega looked at options to bring the service to PC. The service was eventually discontinued on like I said, july thirty first, nineteen ninety eight. Um the Sega Channel expanded to Canada in late 1995 with approximately a $19 monthly fee for Canada. During the planning stage of the service, Sega looked to capitalize on the rental market, which had seen some success with the Sega CD being rented through Blockbuster Incorporated. It was looking to base the service offerings of gains to demos to help sell more cartridges. Uh, so, um, it had 21 cable companies uh, sign up to carry the service. And, like, for me and my brother, we didn't get into it. Um, the Mega Drive had Sega uh, MegaNet. Um, so it was the same thing um, operating through a cartridge in a peripheral called the Mega Modem. The system was al- allowed Mega Drive owners to play 17 games online. A North American version of the system, the TeleGenesis, was announced but never released. Um, another, phone, another phone based system, the Mega Answer, turned the Japanese Mega Drive into an online banking terminal. Due to Meganet's low number of titles, prohibi- uh, prohibitively high price, and the Mega drives like a success to Japan, the system proved to be a commercial failure. By 1992, the Mega modem peripheral could be found in bargain bins at a reduced price. And a remodeled version of the console released in 1993 removed the EXT-9 pin altogether, preventing the newer models from being connected to the Meganet service. So, uh... Seeing the Sega channel, uh, and they kinda had to advertise a little bit on TV and advertise it in of uh, uh EGM and game pro and stuff, I kinda didn't see a lot of people talk about it. And compared to how many systems that was out from there, um, I didn't hear any kind of reports on how it actually was in use like there was no video of it and you kind of didn't hear a lot of kids talk about they had this surface so i even though it did well for like with two hundred seventy thousand, that might seem low you kind of could see how online gaming evolved from that where now we have broadband um and we have wireless and we don't really have to worry about uh connecting online to connect with friends to play games everywhere it was kind of, kind of cool to see that you know from sega channel you had demos of games and you had other games that you wanted to download um exclusively to your sega genesis That you were kind of like, you know what, I'll download this game and I'll play it in full. And they offered that on the Sega Genesis. And I thought that was completely cool during the Sega Sega channel. So that's it pretty much for the Sega channel. And when I come back, we're going to get to the last section by just looking back over everything and how this may or may not have changed the 16-bit era. And I will be right back. We'll So looking back at the uh, Sega Genesis era, did they change it? Did they did they change the sixteen bit era? In a way, yes, they did. Um, you kind of did get that sixteen bit arcade experience uh, with some of the games, even though they were like ported. Uh, the ideal of it was ported from the arcade. Some of the sound wasn't there, but you know, some of the design was there, and it kind of almost followed to the t the arcade game some color stuff was missing um but you know it was something that if you really wanted that true arcade gaming experience for when a game was supported to from the arcade to consoles the sega genesis kind of did it you know they they brought that realism and that feel to the system uh they had CD rounds with with the Sega CD and you kind of see now that gaming, uh, definitely with PlayStation and with Xbox, they stuck to CD. Nintendo jumped to, to CD for three whole systems, uh, before they went back to cartridge. Uh, online gaming is a big, uh, thing now. Um, it wasn't big in the, back in the Sega Genesis days, but it kind of, uh, It led to what it is now, in a sense, you know. So, uh, we got to get that first taste of online gaming uh, back in the 90s. Um, And when it comes to mascots, you kind of got to look like how powerful Nintendo mascot is. And what happens when a rival mascot or a system does have a mascot uh, how strong that could sell systems, you know Mario for Nintendo, Sonic for Sega, um, Master Chief for Microsoft. At one point, at one point it was Crash Bandicoot, and some people can still say it's Crash Bandicoot from Sony. Now, in a sense, it's kind of changed um, for. It. But you know, because Naughty Dog and Insomniac games, like with Ratchet and Clank and stuff, even though the Ratchet and Clank games, uh, kind of belong to Insomnia, uh, at one point in time it was Jack and Dexter, or it was, um. It was uh, it was Ratchet and Clank. Uh, they kind of changed it up. Now when people think of Sony, they think of like Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series or uh, the Last of Us games and stuff and stuff like that. Um, so you know, Sony at one point in time when they began with the PlayStation, it was Crash Bandicoot. They had like this purple uh, kind of uh, monster and stuff, but it was just like uh. Okay, I I could see it uh, as that being the face, but, like, Asher animal was Crash Bandicoot. Um, uh, when challenges for ads were going on, you kind of could see that Nintendo still was being made fun of. Um, and you could still see how people would try to challenge Nintendo that their games are better on their platform or their game was just better overall. Consider to the quality of games that was on a Nintendo platform. Yes, Crash Bandicoot made fun of Nintendo. Sony, Sony did that. Uh, not so much Microsoft did that, but you can see, like in a game like Blur, they tried to make fun of Mario Kart. Well, let's see how well Blur didn't really last long. It was a, it was a okay game for those who play it. But look at the sales numbers and what Mario Kart has evolved into. Um, so kind of ad challenges and everything um it's not so much nowadays but it kind of showed that if you are a company that went against nintendo it might do you a little bit justice but it was never going to last long because um, nintendo games just have that power of standing out more than what that ad was trying to do um, and then, last but not least, we got a rating board. You know, we went to the video game rating console to the ESRB, where now that games are rated and the policies of getting your game rated, even with some indies, uh, getting their games rated. So when they come come out, they have a rating to let you know that this game is is required or is recommended for these type of players of this age so the sega genesis really did change the 16-bit era uh, super nintendo kind of changed a little bit of the 16-bit era uh with some of his games and everything definitely with sound and having also a, a arcade experience and giving you different genres and goofiness and rackiness from japan but the sega genesis you know did a lot for the industry for what we have now. You know, like I said, 16-bit, like arcade gaming, CD-ROMs, online gaming, mascot and ad challenges, and the random board. All of that stuff happened on the Sega Genesis so yes it did change the 16 bit era um, for the better I should say you know we were always going to get it to a point where this video game industry was going to evolve going from a kid to a teenager to a dog and we kind of got to thank the Sega Genesis so thank you Sega and thank you to the Sega Genesis for all you done you have some ups and downs in so your great system great console your games still sell well um, and compilations and stuff when people finally remember remember them and and you know what hey you still got one of the best games that has one of the best soundtracks of all time one of them which is uh to me streets of race 2 you know nintendo or no other company was has ever been able to bring house music to video games now we got like the cute games and uh mizuguchi um uh, making house music for his games like you know Tetris Effect and Meteoros uh, you know in the Lumines series and even uh, just you know he's some music heavy bass you know Sushi Race 2 was just like a fighting uh, beat em up game with a uh, house uh, and trance, and you know, dancing, and even when it's a slow tempo, it's it's such a good funk and groove and stuff. You know, you only found that on the Sega Genesis, where Super Nintendo had more of this fun and whimsical sound, but they also had at times a classical and very orchestrated sixteen-bit sound at times. You look at Act Razor and Secret of Mana; those are two good examples, and everything. So, um. Congratulations to uh, to Sega for introducing that to us. So when I come back, I'm going to do just a quick few plugs. Uh, I know that I mentioned that I'm going to get into full plugs, um, but I have to make my new plug sheet. I've been getting more plugs for different shows and everything. So I'm getting ready to make uh, to get that all set. So with everybody, we will be right back. And I am back, everybody. So, um, just a quick few plugs. You guys could email the show at myout2comment at yahoo.com. I kind of want to hear what you guys think about the Sega Genesis and if it helped evolve the 16-bit era into what gaming is in today. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts. If you guys own the Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis or even play it at a friend's house. I would love to know what you guys think. And definitely if you grew up doing that time. Reading EGM, GamePro. The, uh, watching these hearings. And stuff like that. I would love to hear more about it. You guys can follow me on Twitter. At That Retro Code. Um, you can also check out more work. At Nurse Gone World on Or NGR Um, I help Corey. And a crew of my friends. Uh, we do a lot of shows. We do a lot of writing. Um. We have Nintendo Power Block. We have Arsenal X, our Xbox podcast. We have Nurse Gone Platinum, our Sony PlayStation podcast. Uh, our community podcast, Nurse Gone Rogue. Uh, we have uh, Trophy Hunters, Platinum Plays, uh, Pod and Play, um, our Nindy Showcase, uh, Squad Ghost, Royale with Cheese, um, uh, Mini Block, uh, Expansion Pass, Expansion Pack. Um, and we have a whole bunch of other shows on there that are coming. And we also do a lot of reviews and our personal blogs and stuff on there. Uh, so you can read it, uh, read some of our works there also. Um, I'm getting ready for Project Beauty. I'm working on that so you guys will be able to find out the beauty of video games Um, when that will be released in September. Like I said, it's coming to NGRradio.com where you guys will be able to check that out um you will still hear the optional opinion podcast episodes for it on soundcloud itunes google play and uh tune in uh just like you would hear regular optional opinion episodes um also, uh, check out World 1-1 One One Podcast at ShoutEngine.com. I do that with Larry Giver. Uh, we're a community podcast that talks to uh, various people and, uh, you know, cover various topics and what we've been playing. Our latest episode, we talked to Charlie and Scott from uh, Nerds and Platinum. I'm not Nurse Gone Platinum. Sorry about that. Secret Friends United. So you guys can, uh, check that out. The Nurse Gone Platinum guys released some new content and they've been on my mind kind of looking at her. Uh, so you can check, uh, that episode. Had a great time talking to Charlie and Scott. Uh, look, uh, we, we talked through Skype. Uh, and, uh, that's my first time meeting Charlie and, Having a ball first time meeting Scott, also. Uh, unfortunately, Todd Oxtra couldn't be on there. Uh, but you guys heard Todd Oxtra on this podcast, and I've been on his podcast also. Um, I, he's just an amazing person. I love Todd and everything. Also, check out my own nerds, going roll. He did an episode with them. So, uh, also, you can check out uh, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and other podcast apps. Uh, they do a fantastic show. Uh, also, uh, check out the Devin Cox Spirits and the Skyward cast on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can check out their work, uh, Joey, uh, and Delvin. They do a fantastic job. I've been on uh, some of their episodes and on their podcast. Uh, and hopefully I will have them on there. Um, there is another special five episode podcast coming soon. Uh, so I will let you guys know more about that a little bit later when it drops. Um, also check out uh um uh, Sean Priest, be the game games cast. You can check out his stuff. Uh the Nintendo Gribble is back, so you can check out his podcast on uh on YouTube and everything. Also, Josh Brent uh and his friend, they got the Nindies... uh Um, the nindies nation where they uh talk about uh independent games on nintendo's uh switch on nintendo switch so you guys can check that out um they have it on youtube and i believe they have it on itunes on there you can uh check them out at twitter i think at nindy nation um uh, I, I still gotta get more of that all together. Um, hopefully Josh Brent will come on and plug his show and we talk some good nindies. Which reminds me everybody, the first season of the Nindy Showcase from Nurse Gone Rogue is a lie. It's uh it's finally available. Uh, we uh uh, the Hyperlight drifter so we have all episodes on uh our nurse gone rogue youtube page so you guys can watch those episodes and see which games that we pick and that we have that discussion they're about 20 22 minutes of an episode so i think you guys will enjoy that we will be working on season two so you guys hopefully that will be coming soon and you guys will be able to enjoy that also with pot and play season three we're gearing up ready for for that, cannot wait to showcase those episodes and to have let you guys into our discussions on there. But as always, everybody have a great week, have a great weekend, uh, be safe, have fun with your friends, get some great gaming done, and um, get some platinums, get some achievements, um, play some Sega Genesis games if you if you can, uh, and kind of reflect on what uh, Sega has done for that era. And with that, everybody. I am out. Peace. Music for this episode came from Re-Plus Nighttime by Voice Out, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker Beat It for the Sega Genesis, there were Sega commercials from 1991 to 1993 by TL84, Sunday Hedgehog Green Hill Zone jazz cover featuring Nick Smith, Insane in the Rain music, Carlos Ian, Vitamin Day 10, Superstructor, Day 13, Dark Ruins Music by Carpathia808, Senate Hearings on Video Game Violence, 12-9-1993, William K. Ford, and the Senate Hearings on Video Game Violence uh, by William K. Ford, both of them are from him, Fantasy Star 2, OST, Pleasure Stream, Streets of Rage 2, Genesis Music, Boss Battle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Harper Stone Heist for the Sega Genesis, New York City, and the ending music is from Arrow Flash, ending theme from Sega Gen.